Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff and the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The Omni Talk Fast Five is the podcast that is the fastest, funniest, and most fervent rundown of all the week's top headlines in the world of retail. Today is March 18th, 2021. I am your host, Chris Walton, joined as always by the effervescent Anne Mazinga and a woman whose acronym is ETI, Emma the Intern. What's happening? That was like a straight up Letterkenny intro. Like at the beginning of, do you watch that show yet? I haven't yet. I've seen some clips on Facebook scrolling through my feed. It's pretty, it's pretty not, good. It's though. not for everybody, but at the beginning of each season, they do an A through Z like analysis and they keep using all the alliteration that you just so wonderfully put through except you noticed e- the alliteration that was intentional the fa- fastest funniest and my favorite most fervent rundown of all the week's top headlines and why does canada always slip in like i don't know what it is like why is canada always slipping into everything that we're doing emma what about you what's what's going on what do you what do you got to bring to the table today you guys are you guys pumped like are you pumped about these headlines where are you on a scale of like one to ten there was like so much to cover this week like we didn't even get into some things like Lord and Taylor Express. Like, where are you guys this week, Emma? Like, scale of one to ten. I'd say like seven. Yeah, I really seven. like. Yeah, I really like my headline. The other ones, I'm kind of like, okay, okay, but you're like, yeah, 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 just let them do their thing. Okay, I get it. What about you, Anne? I mean, I feel like things really picked up this week. I don't know that I'd say that there's a lot of like really incredible headlines, but I would say that the the pace of of all the headlines coming out this in the last seven days has been fervent. Fervent, yes. Good use of that word again, too. Yeah, no, I agree. Like there were a ton of stuff. I don't know that this week's headlines were fun, but that's what we do. So we're gonna make them fun. But they definitely were were big and cool. And they were hard, it was definitely hard to pick. Like like the express, what do you guys think of that whole express story? We're just going to make smaller stores. Like that didn't even make our cut. Like what's your quick, give the quick hot take on that, Ann. Oh man, not the solution. I don't think yeah. that's going to solve anything. Next thing, next thing, you know, they're going to just close all the stores and pull Lord and Taylor and be like, now we're online only. Do you like yeah. it better? <laughs> that was the other one. Lord and Taylor now is an online department store. Yeah. Cause we need another one of those. Right. Emma, <laughs> like, is that, is, was that your hot take on that one too? Oh yeah, I read that and I was like, oh, of course. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was even a cool story from Unilever in Europe where they're using like computer vision technology and the gig economy to have brands go in and make sure everything is set up in the right places in stores and be able to monitor that like 24-7. Like that didn't even make our list, OmniTalk fans. And that is a cool story too. That's on the blog. You can check it out. But let's get started because I God knows where this is gonna go. I think it's gonna be fun. We're gonna talk, we're gonna talk a little curbside sampling, which is also fun to say. Adidas's latest plans, which is also really hard to say, or if you are in Europe, Adidas's latest plans. Walmart going into high-end fashion. We're going to close with Amazon rolling out its new telehealth services nationwide. That is huge with a capital H-U-G-E. But first, we're going to start with a different Amazon story, and that is that Walmart, that Walmart, Jesus, Chris, Amazon now has 28 more fresh stores in the works. That is according to Bloomberg. They say that from Philadelphia to Sacramento, we're going to have Amazon fresh stores. The spokesperson confirmed for Bloomberg that you're going to have stores in New Jersey, Seattle, Bellevue, Washington, all across the freaking country. And the other key part of this story from Bloomberg that I don't feel like enough people have been talking about Rumors are that Amazon is testing its Go technology now for the first time 
in one of its Amazon Fresh stores in Naperville, Illinois, which is, by the way, for everyone that follows us closely, a full-scale grocery store. And you're already shaking your head about how excited you are about this story. So what's your take? When we first were texting each other about this Bloomberg article, I mean, I don't even remember exactly what I wrote, but I was like, game on. This is this is just going to accelerate so quickly. And they, they haven't even named, like, there's 28 that they're naming. We know there's even some in Minneapolis that we've talked about in that yeah, area right. that haven't even been officially announced. Right. And now that they're they're testing, we don't know the, you know, the extent of which they're testing. It's not customer facing in the Naperville store. But now that they're testing in a full format grocery store, this go and just walk out technology, I think it's going to it just, again, accelerate the pace of cashierless checkout outside of Amazon too. I think we're going to start to see significant increases in all the other companies that are in this space and really interest from um, from other grocers and from other vendors who are supplying this technology to just keep pushing it even further. And I believe see, you know, cashierless checkout experiences um, in the next, you know, maybe two to three years, not, you know, three to five years, like we maybe thought before. Well, let's, I think let's talk about that timeline because I do remember that text. I think that text started actually with, Chris, you're such an amazing partner. I'm so glad I get to go to work with you every day. Obviously. And then it was like, how fast do you think this is coming and how quickly will the grocers <laughs> come on board, right? That's where it's it like, went next. Never been my is my, thing, memory, is my yeah. memory working right on that? But yeah, no, I think exactly. you're right. That's, let's, let's do the timeline though. Like 2018, what do you have? That's when the first Amazon Go store opens, 3,000 square feet. 2020, Go Grocery opens, right? In Seattle, I think that was roughly 10,000 square feet. So let's just, so you got a 3X bump there in the size of the store. So you start talking 2022, is it conceivable to go from 10 to 30,000 square feet and be able to get a pretty decent sized grocery store? Maybe, just maybe it is, or at least they're doing it and no one else the hell is. The only people that we know that have been rumored of even trying something at this scale is, you know, the Trigo and Tesco relationship, which we're still, you know, waiting to hear more about as well. Oh, and I've got Intel too, that they're opening up stores. We talked about it last week or the week before in, in London. It sounds like they're opening up another one near Wembley Stadium. Now these are smaller fresh stores, but the European market is different. Like God knows where this is going to go, but I think the grocers have to wake up to this. Emma, final word here. Yeah. I mean, I love this. I feel well, like you're it's all real. Over this. Of course, especially the just walk out stuff. Like I think I'm just excited for when it actually comes into practice. Your next Minneapolis apartment is going to be in like Egan or whatever the hell this is, like right across the street. It I might think. be. The next yeah. time you move. Yeah. It might that's be. How, that's how bullish you are on this. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. All right, Anne, what's the story number two? All right. So CPG brands like General Mills and Cure Hydration have started to pivot sampling efforts during this pandemic. So as we all know, not a lot of traffic for the last year in store. They cu- had to cut sampling programs because um, of concerns over uh, sanitary practices within the store. But according to a report by CNBC, General Mills and these others have partnered with retailers like Walmart to start adding samples to curbside pickup orders or creating these swag bags that they hand out at events. Now, the retailers love this, obviously, because they can add this extra delight and surprise moment to customers who either come you know, to the store for curbside pickup or as a way to further engage them um, when they're fulfilling other like e-commerce delivery orders. 
Now, Walmart uh, is testing this also with some wel uh, welcome boxes as part of a perk when you sign up for the subscription service Walmart Plus. What are you guys thinking? I mean, Holy I think that. this is I think this is fun. I Emily, love this. You go space. first. Do you think? What do you think here? So I sometimes do like a cub foods pickup through Instacart, and every mm -hmm. once in a while they give me a bag that has like a sparkling ice and apple and a granola bar, and it's awesome. So and it's I was actually and delightful. Like you yeah, like and that. I was actually like reminded of this brand of granola bars that I really like. I just never buy. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to buy that the next time. So when I read this headline, I was like, totally, this is so much fun. And like, it just gets people exposed to different products that they normally aren't maybe. Ooh, what brand may I ask? Lara Bar. All right. Okay, cool. Look at you. Like you got surprised and delighted by the unexpected Lara yeah. Bar. That's cool. I And I think this is sweet. I think... One of the things I don't think is being talked about enough, there's a couple of angles of this story. I think one is we talk about store of the future, which is a term if people know, know us well, like I don't like very much, but the other, the thing for me is like, what's the parking lot design of the future? And you've talked about that a lot. Like, what does that really start to look like? And how do you start to think about this and many other things in terms of the design of that consumer experience? We talked about the robots. Remember, what was that robot called? Smiley, the robot, like going yep. around, like, you know, concessions, that type of thing. But the other thing I love about this, and I, I was talking about this on, I think I mentioned this in the show before, too, talking about this at the NCA panel, the National Confectioners Association meeting that I did uh, a few weeks ago, um, you know, where, you know, they're selling things that are, you know, essentially, you know, purchased at the end of, you know, the checkout experience, and that's changing now. And so how do you think about all the different pay points, whether it's digitally in cart um, or out in the parking lot at a curbside pickup? And what I love about this which is so different than anything you do with traditional sampling. You do traditional sampling. You don't know who's in your store, you know, trying the, you know, what are the summer sausage or whatever it is that's, you know, sitting out there all warmed up. You don't know who that is, but now you have somebody pulling in, you know, exactly who's pulling in and what's in their cart. So you can actually like, and this comes from, I, I didn't even come up with this myself. Meredith Glansberg on LinkedIn brought this up. Like I thought it was a huge point. Like, you actually know the cart before they come. So you could decide the sampling based on that data. That is and incredible it, when you think about it. And then you know the behavior afterwards, potentially right. of that customer, and you can retarget them as well, given all of that. I and mean, it's fascinating. And, and it costs them so much less. I started to dig into really like just the, the whole sampling well, I got down a real, real dark. Yeah, Reddit I don't have to hole, have pay a person to go. You don't you have know? to pay. It costs about fifty cents per sample when you're doing it in a store. So if you're, you have to hire the person, you have to rent space from the retailer, and then you have to provide all the samples. Now, if in this case they're saying that not only are you able to target people more specifically, but you are also able to bring those costs down per sample to like ten to thirty cents a piece, and it's for somebody that's very specific. Specific. I think you bring up a great point too, Chris. I mean, I was joking with somebody about, you know, what happens to this when we go beyond just, you know, handing out samples when it, you start to like have the Walmart curbside pickup that's sponsored by, you know, Procter and Gamble and stuff and like all these things. I mean, it, it happens in your OBGYN office. You've got stirrups sponsored by Morena. Like, why aren't we seeing curbside checkout? Wait, is that real? That is, that, is that a real thing? Yes. No yes. way. Oh my yes, God. It's See, this is what crazy. we bring you on Ami Talk. Things yes. that you had no idea. I had, wow. Well, I think every woman on the show probably has a very good idea about that, but maybe 
the male fifty percent of the population probably did not know that there's a sponsorship opportunity in that situation. So that, that's, covers. It's amazing. That's amazing. No, I don't, know, I, think- I don't know what the return on investment is on that, so I can't give you any stats there. But I'm just saying, like, this opens up a world of opportunity for you know. I mean, like, I was talking with somebody on LinkedIn. Like, stadiums do this. They're like, why aren't we? Why aren't retailers getting more revenue from some things like this? Where you know. I think lots of CPG companies are willing to experiment and they're going to have to try different ways to approach the customer. So I, I think it makes sense. And I'm really excited to keep following this. You're right. And that point about you point about efficiency is really good too. I hadn't thought about that, but like even on the inventory side, I can remember managing this in my frozen food days. Like it was a pain in the ass from an inventory perspective too, because they'd end up taking all the stuff off the shelf for their live sampling. But here you can actually keep that pool of inventory a lot different and a lot more, you know, a lot separate too. But wow, my mind was just blown. I think we have to keep pushing forward on this as well. So Emma, let's do story number three. All right. So Adidas is aiming for direct to consumer to make up 50% of sales by 2025 as e-commerce has been booming. And this is a four-year plan that they are calling own the game. And so some kind of tactics they're going to implement are that they're paring down on their wholesale partners to focus on more strategic partnerships. They're planning on maintaining larger concept stores, but fewer of them. They want to own the soccer, outdoor lifestyle training and running categories. And they're going to focus on athleisure and revamping their women's um, categories. So I really like this. I think this is what you have to do if you're going to keep up with Nike. The only thing I don't love is the like, the larger concept stores, but fewer of them. I think that Nike does have that advantage of like being able to buy online, pick up in store, return your shoes directly to a store and whatnot. But I'm excited for this. I'm really excited for them to go harder on their women's just everything. And I think there's a lot of potential. And Emma, to your point about like, to, to your point, to your point about the stores, like I actually kind of like this where it's like, you know what, if you're going to come to our store, it's like a beacon of the brand. So it's almost more flagship ish. Whereas the other types of things that you're hearing about, about all these small stores seem so much more transactional, get the job done. And there's a lot of ways in this new retail world to think about how to do that. Like you can have partners with returns to make that easy as long as it's coordinated and fluid. So like, it almost makes me start to wonder if this is, and Adidas, Adidas is a very smart, I think has been a very smart brand over the years to figure out how to do things effectively. So like, I actually... I actually kind of like that where everyone else is kind of going into like, how do we just have more small stores and all that? And then you get into all kinds of cannibalization things versus now it's like, let's pull back, just do what we know we need to do really well and figure out the smart ways to connect with other people, which is a good segue too, because Ed, you were pretty pumped about, you couldn't stop talking about this actually. Right. Well, I think that the big thing that is kind of now starting to trickle out because they've actually announced a formal like uh, partnership is between Peloton and Adidas as part right. of this relationship. So now on March 25th, I think the the full line of clothing, the first time um, will be released so that people can start seeing the that what that full collection looks like. And I think that that gets back into also what the stores serve the purpose of like when you start to think about bringing in this Peloton community and bringing Adidas in together and what the, what the focal point of those stores could be. um, I think that's something that we we're not talking about right now, but I think has a lot of potential down the road too to kind of bring these communities together. You know, we're going to see Lululemon and Mir trying to experiment with some of these things as people are coming back to store. And I just, I feel like this is a win on both sides um, for sure for Adidas to start to, again, get 
that that middle segment of the market, not the hardcore sports enthusiasts, not the high fashion enthusiasts, but really try to get um, the that group in the middle. Uh, and Peloton, what an amazing way to do that. It's a, a perfect, perfect marriage, in my opinion. Are you starting to warm up to my whole position as like Peloton or really like powerful retail here going forward? I'm a same question to you here too, but let's start with Anne. Like, I'm not saying that you don't have a point and I don't think that together now with Adidas that Peloton has some better chance at becoming a mass retailer, but uh, yeah, I, still I, can't. A a lot of apparel. I still yeah, think it's okay. going to be a segment. Okay. Yes. All right. Emma, what do you think? The Give you the final word here as the resident Gen Zer. I mean, Emma, the intern. I get the Peloton craze. I'm still. I don't think I'll ever join. Mostly, my biggest like roadblock is that sitting in a bike position to get exercise is literally the last thing that I would want to do. I would rather do burpees for an hour than sit on a bike. So you're not yet because you're not 40 yeah. yet, but yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, handle the high impact. <laughs> I did the trial of Apple fitness. I didn't like that. And then I'm still pretty, like I have a trainer on YouTube for completely free that I really like. And I'm still yeah, kind yeah. of on the YouTube train. Of okay. All right. Apple we'll fitness. see. I can't wait to see. I mean, it, they've got the Adidas partnership. They've got this closed loop, the influencers, the trainers, so to speak, are already wearing this stuff. Like it's going to be interesting to see what they start selling out of this vehicle. So, all right. On that note of fashion. All right. We'll continue on this thread with the announcement that Brandon Maxwell, nice. the well-lauded designer will be joining Walmart and will launch his first of four yearly collections in spring of 2022. Maxwell has also allegedly been able to influence the holiday offerings behind the scenes that are about to come out. Um, he will continue, as I mentioned, each year designing um, four seasonal collections for the trend-driven line Scoop and an essentials-oriented line Free Assembly. Guys, this has been all over the news this week. I mean, it everyone has. and anyone has an opinion on this. What do you guys think? Oh, Anne, I know you'd like our opinion, but we're going to actually ask you for yours because believe it or not, and you don't what? know this, this is the put you on the spot question from Anne M. And oh, I love man. this story. I didn't even know that part about I influenced the holiday collection. Baloney. No way. You would have had to. I don't buy that for a second. But anyway, here's the put you on the spot question. We'll get back to that later. All right. They think it makes sense. Like, you know, on the surface, this makes sense, right? You've got a high-end luxury designer. He's, you know, Brandon Maxwell. He's clearly a talented dude. But the question is, for, does the Walmart customer care about the high-end aesthetic for private labels from Walmart? And what do you think? You know, I've been going back and forth on this a lot. I'm still not uh, 100% decided on what I think about this. But here's what oh, I do. come on. No waffling. Here's what I think. Brandon is surely talented. I think it's going to be, they're going to have to be very specific about how they approach this. This cannot come in as like Kathy Ireland for Walmart or whatever. Okay. <laughs> it's got to really, be, really it's got to be bringing his high fashion eye and doing this design for the masses that Target's done so well that Amazon is doing incredibly well. And I think it's, there's nothing wrong with elevating the the essentials product lines 
at Walmart. I think it makes a lot of sense as you're thinking about the next generation of shopper at the store and how Walmart really becomes more of this one-stop shop. I think they that if they can continue that trend and they can really just bring, you know, more newness, more freshness, not just what's the cheapest product we can make and how easy can we, you know, print out billions of these t-shirts, but you start to add some unique design twist to some of the Walmart product. And I think that's great. That's a great thing to be able to offer the Walmart customer. And I think it's smart for Walmart to experiment in this way. Do you think TikTok plays into this too? Like, do you think like that's a, do you think that's a portion of this? Like that's maybe some unexplored territory here. You do? How come? I do. I think that, you know, we saw Walmart saw a lot, an increase in, in their TikTok followers and apparently had success according to them with their TikTok event that they did the beauty event last week. But I think that it's, it's about the new audience. And that's what I think people who are commenting on this and saying it's a failure, this is not going to save them. It's not, doesn't, you know, pay off the, the save money, live better promise that Walmart should stick to and the rollback deals. Like you are looking at right now, Walmart customers. And this is, I, I hope an opportunity to really go after that next audience who they need to be focused on right now. So I think don't, don't knock, knock this until we see the first collections come out next year. Okay. Okay. Emma, you're, you, even though you're younger, you tend to be, you know, one of the more, I'd say critical of the three of us on some of these things. What, what do you think here? I would say, I mean, I think, the focus, I think that these are really great moves for trying to capture like my generation of people because we're not really that, we're not really that tied to Walmart. And like, it's always, if they, Walmart is doing a good job, I think, of trying to like shape the mindset and acquire this generation of people. However, even though focusing on the future is really important, I do kind of think like the majority of your sales for a, probably another like decade or two are still not going to be people who care about this at all. So I like, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. I feel like they're like experimenting in a good way, but also is it really necessary? I don't know. So you're both kind of mixed. You're both kind of mixed. You know, the legacy of Walmart, like that's kind of, that's kind of my take here. And like you're, you you maybe, but you're not sure. Like you could possibly see it come together, but it, the stars would have to align here. That's where your heads are. Yeah. I don't hate the strategy. Putting somebody who's a content creator and a fashion designer in charge of what your next generation of revamping the the essentials that you're putting out, not a bad concept. Now, how it's executed will be a very different thing. Yeah. Okay. I, this one's hard for me. Like, I think this is a lot of sound and furious signifying nothing. Like, and I do want to call out that one statement you said too, which is a key influenced it just for everyone that understands how retail works. I mean, you probably like walk through the headquarters and saw the line and made a comment on it. And then the PR team potentially is running with that. That's how much I, I'm my hunch in terms of like how he influenced this, but yeah, he's got some stuff coming. I, I just don't know. Like you're, I mean, you have to remember like Walmart's store count is like, what is it? Isn't it like 4,600, 4,673 stores? If I remember the number, right? Yeah, like, about 4,700. It's just massive, massive amounts of units. And so when you start talking about high end fashion and putting it in, in that type of scale, like let's just talk store side first, like that becomes really problematic and really hard to do. And you also get to the point and Gap saw this problem too. I can remember when I was working there, like everyone starts wearing the crinkle cami and suddenly like, that's not fashionable anymore. Cause like everyone has the same thing. So like for Walmart to take that position, it's just hard to do. Then you could say, okay, can you do it online? Can you do it digitally through TikTok with smaller runs and things like that? Yeah, you can, but like, 
you're at an uphill battle to like get the cachet for all of that anyway. And then from an economics perspective, I'm not really sure it's going to move the needle because it's all going to be small batches against a pretty significant sized base. And, and I know you disagree and we'll go here, but like, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't see this. Plus they've tried, if you look back at the history, they've tried these types of things before and economics are economics. So I'm just not sure. I, if I was to answer this on the spot question, I don't, I don't think there's going to be anything out of this. This is just that I think it's more of a PR soundbite. And, but that's the very important clarification here. This is if they go design partnership mode where they are having a high fashion collection by Brandon Maxwell for Walmart, not going to work. But if he starts to influence and creates a, a better styled, a more competitive product to something that you can get at Amazon and at Target, I think it's it could work. It's just yeah. going to have to be executed that way. Okay. Yeah, and that's, but that's the not, difference. In reality, that's not going to happen because like his whole his whole but that's not going to happen because his whole brand and his whole cachet is about you know, something else. It's not about getting into the weeds and working day in and day out at a Walmart to that degree. Like you see this all the time, like Beyonce is the creative director or Rihanna's the creative director. Like, yeah, maybe, but like how involved are they day to day? Are they just leveraging the name in terms of how that stuff pulls off? So like if you, what you're saying is going to happen, like you have to be willing to stick to that for the really, really long term. And we've never seen instances where people are doing that but we we also haven't seen them hired by these people. That's the other part. This is not a collaboration with Brandon Maxwell. This is a hire on Walmart's team, yeah, leading no. a P and D department. I, Fair enough. I think Fair there's enough. more if to that's it. Really, I think, how they're going to operate it? Then that is groundbreaking. Your your point. That is groundbreaking. If he's really sitting there in Bentonville, and he and, and even though he's living in Austin, if I remember reading correctly, if he's sitting Brooklyn. in Bentonville every day and he's looking at all the designs and he's working with the buyers in terms of how many units to place and what the strategy is to drive all this, maybe I don't know if I'm buying. Let's that. bet. We'll bet on it. Yeah, let's see. I, I def- 2022, Chris Walton, you're oh, buying me lots of beer. You're oh, if buy I'm wrong on this, like with like I said with everything, if I'm wrong on it, I'll be the first one to say so. But this one, I'm just I just can't get into. All right, last story. This is cool. Amazon is expanding its telehealth services nationwide. So according to the great Dan Berthium, who, if you're not following him on Chain Storage, quite frankly, I think he's the best retail reporter in the business. This guy breaks everything and he breaks stuff that's actually cool. Uh, and so if, if you can check him out, I think it's good. And stuff. he loves the black crows. And he loves the black crows and he loves yes. Omnitalk. So if you love Omnitalk, yes. I automatically love you too. Um, shout out, Dan. Hope you're listening. All right. Anyway, they've expanded their telehealth service. It's called Amazon Care. If you remember, it opened, I think we talked about it on our show. It opened It opened in a pilot phase in Washington in 2019. And now they're saying by the summer, it's going to go everywhere else. As a part of this, they're also going to expand the in-person portion of the program, in-person care portion of the program, where basically... You know, right now, the way it works is like you can get if you're an Amazon employee or now they're actually expanded to companies, you can basically set up a video conference call with your doctor. They say in less than 60 seconds, which is crazy. And then if you need it as part of the in-person care portion, you can actually have somebody come out, draw your blood, do different types of checkouts right to your house. It's kind of a new way for the house call, so to speak. Doctors thinking about that, how all that can work within the gig economy. I think this is. I think this is super freaking cool. Like you read this and you're like, why wouldn't I use this for the majority of the health issues that I have? Emma, what do you think? No, I think it's super, super cool. Like the healthcare industry as a whole needs to be just innovated in a ton and kudos to Amazon for like taking 
the first step to do that. I think yeah, this is going to be, oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say, like, yeah, even if you think about, like, appointment scheduling now, like, for virtual care visits, like, oh, my God, what time does it have to be? Uh, then I need, like, six different emails to tell me the process by which that's going to happen. I mean, it's just right for the type of stuff that Amazon knows how to figure out. And if you start to think about how this is going to expand, you look at the grocery mm. presence that they're about to roll out in this mm. country. Grocery is huge, but healthcare is next. And the combination of all of the things that you can get done in one place, when you have your grocery store, you have your, I mean, Walmart's been doing the clinics in store for you know, the last year or two at least. And you start to think about what you're able to provide that community in one spot before you go into the store. And once you're in the store, that omni-channel experience is going to start rolling out to all these different categories. And this is just a one example of how that's going to happen and quick. Wait, so you think Amazon's going to go omni-channel with this too? Or who are you, are you saying just Walmart in total, the whole landscape is going to change in that direction? No, I'm saying Amazon. I mean, they're testing it now. They're providing it. I mean, the other part of this that it's like a, a whole separate discussion is just offering this service to other employers like this as their main go to. Right. But you start to think about this Amazon ecosystem that the customer is already in. They've got Prime. They've got, you know, right. they've got the stores now. And when you start to got tie it. this into that whole world of, well, now I'm prepping my order. I've told Alexa that I need my order for Amazon. Alexa, schedule me an appointment while I'm in this store picking up my groceries or, you know, do I have a curbside doctor's appointment? Can somebody come out and give me a right. strep test while I'm picking up my groceries? Like those are huge, yeah, right. huge advantages. Be. Yeah. Right. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I wanted to ask that specifically because I think it's an I think it's an important uh, nuance to this whole thing, right? Like, you, you know, you've we talked about. So I heard on Scott Gow. Scott Gow was on Bill Marshall the other night, and he said like the U.S. healthcare industry is the biggest business in the world, if I remember correctly. It sounds like Emily, you might have seen that too. Like, that's it, stop and think about that for a second. And that's the business that the Amazon and the WalMarts of the world are going after. Now let's talk about them comparatively against what you just said, Anne, which is why I asked the question. Walmart's Walmart probably doesn't have the chops to figure out what we just talked about. Like in terms of like the fluidity of how all this works online, net relatively speaking, maybe they're good, but relatively speaking. So Amazon does that all lightweight asset light gets everybody to figure that out. Meanwhile, Walmart's over here trying to build all these clinics at their stores, which actually could become obsolete. If you think about the fact that Amazon may be able to do a good portion of this online just by sending people wherever in the world they need to be, whether it's your house, your employer, the parking lot itself. That's a fascinating angle. This discussion I hadn't thought about until you just said all of that, which is like, okay, who do you bet on in this space? I think I'm probably betting on Amazon, relatively speaking. What do you guys think? Totally. You think you bet on Amazon? Well, I mean, on this, like, I, yeah, right. I know. Right. But like, I haven't thought about it to that degree. And actually, do you start to get a ton of assets at Walmart that maybe aren't productive over time? And you suddenly have this kind of albatross hanging around your neck with clinics. No one's, no one's like really using to the same degree. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's still worth experimenting with all, but it shows that you've got to figure out the digital side of this too, because the gig economy opens up a lot of things. And that's kind of an axiom in startup business now. Like, don't invest the assets until you know you need them. I think and maybe it's kind of going the other way. Yeah. I think the Walmart thing is unique, though. Their presence okay. right now in so many smaller rural locations to have a clinic in in the store that already exists to, like, lease out some of the space to a clinic or, you know, their own yeah. clinics, I think 
could work. It just depends on the setting, but you're right. There's a lot to think about when it comes to the infrastructure required for those. Or, or maybe you lean in on the physicality of what really needs to happen in those places versus right. like the strep tests and the things like that that can be done anywhere at any time, right? Maybe that's the answer too, which what, is always what the answer. Amazon, like, why what, are you going to the physical space to begin with? Right. And where, where, what is left for Amazon to, to grab? Let's, I mean, they've got every sports team coming in underneath them for all the rights for the shows, the programming, healthcare, grocery, can essentials, I say sh- everything. Can I say stirrups advertising? It doesn't feel like they've converted the market on that. Untapped like maybe market, that. Can I say that? Get there into the right. OB office stirrup market. That's what's go. coming next. The last word from Ed Mazinga. All right. That wraps us up today. Happy birthday today. Great setup birthday today. Queen Latifah. Oh. Vanessa Williams. The Dane Cook. Remember Dane Cook? Remember that guy? Oh what happened to him? He's still alive. I'm shocked. He's not even, I don't think he's even 50. I think he's like 49. But anyway, remember him? God, talk about a, a rising star that I don't even know where he is now. But and then of course, if you're a Broadway fan, as I know many of you listening are, the great Sutton Foster, which I'm sure also none of you have any idea who I'm talking about. Oh, too. she was the princess in I know who that is. You guys know who that is? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm so excited. Yes, that's so great. Okay, my, my family will be so happy too. Remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omni Talk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news and our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you, all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. And also be sure to check out, we've got a very cool webinar coming called You Can't Spell Autonomous Shopping Without AI, where I'm going to be interviewing executives from NVIDIA, Dell Technologies, and AWM Smart Shelf, all about how the future of autonomous shopping is going to take shape. You can sign up again, just go to the homepage of the blog. You'll see it right there, front and center. Check it out. It's going to be super cool. I know a lot of you are already excited and have told us so. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, be careful out there. The Talk podcast is brought to you by the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities towards their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And of course, Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com.